0: Hi everyone, welcome to the second episode or episode 14 of season 2 of On The Brink. I have a special guest and friend who's actually with me in person for the first in-person interview that I've ever done because, thank you coronavirus, I have not been able to do any in-person interviews but my friend Marissa is able to join me today,
1: so welcome to the podcast, Marissa. Thanks so much, Emily. It's great to be here with you in person and, you know, be able to sit down with someone and have an actual conversation that, you know, hasn't been over Skype is right. kind of amazing.
0: Right, exactly. I know, and I. it's so weird doing an in-person interview here just because I'm so used to just doing the whole Zoom thing. It worked out that Marissa was in town and, and not... Coronavirus. Uh, not having symptoms of coronavirus. Yes, I
1: tested negative. We're good. So we're being safe,
0: just <laughs> so you all know. Um, we both believe in, you know, wearing masks and being safe. So please, um, you know, keep following the guidelines in your in your town and, and being safe. But we were just lucky to, to be able to do this tonight. And kind of on a whim, we decided to, to do this. I have wanted Marissa to be on the podcast for a while. So I'm really excited. And Today we're going to dive into chatting a little bit about grad school in your 20s, what that's like, and basically talking about toxic work environments or just toxic environments in general. So um, for us in particular, we both work in the arts, different facets of the arts, but we both work in that field. Mm -hmm. And so talking about toxic environments that pertain to the arts and then pertain to school. Mm So we're going to jump into that in a moment, but I'm going to let Marissa introduce herself for all of you who don't know her.
1: Sure. Yeah. So my name is Marissa. I am 24 years old. Um, Like Emily mentioned, I work in the arts. So I work mostly in theater and opera, musical theater. Um, I've worked in costume shops, backstage, and are running wardrobe, doing hair and makeup, wigs is you know usually the land that I fall in but I've done a little bit of everything in theater like through my time in the field and I got my undergraduate BA degree in theater arts and then I did one year of grad school which I will go into.
0: Yeah so let's start with that. Um, You do have a lot of like a wide variety of experiences Mm -hmm. and just so everyone knows me and Marissa know each other from a summer program that we did last summer Mm -hmm. which we will not disclose any (laughs) details. so we're not gonna like rat anyone out here we're not gonna like (laughs) give away any um information that you could like you know find what we're talking about. We did meet last summer working for a very small company, and that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had its ups and downs and and craziness, and we will share some stories from that time, but that's how we know each other. So we've known each other now a little over a year. (laughs) Like, we met in May of 2019, so it's been... Yeah, about a year and a couple months. Yeah.
1: And I mean, a lot has happened. I mean, for both of us in that time.
0: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like ever since coronavirus hit, you know, everything has changed for mm. both of us, like working in the arts. Yeah. And we're not going to go too much into that because it's a little depressing. <laughs> um, of but. course, we have to touch on it because it's affecting everything. But um, right now we're going to do, we're going to talk a little bit about the past. So we're going to go back to like when... You were a grad student, yes. and when I was a grad student, everyone knows I went to UMass, so I'm not going to be able to hide that, but um, me and Marissa did not go to the same school, just to be mm-hmm. clear. So just curious to start mm-hmm. off, like, what your first year and your only year yeah. of grad school was like, mm-hmm. and I know you had a bit of a difficult time yeah, in like, a toxic environment, so, sure. so if you want to, like, go into that a little bit. And how that was for you?
1: Yeah, so I decided that I wanted to go to grad school immediately following uh, my undergrad experience. Um, so when I started graduate school, you know, I was starting at 22, you know, which is which is very young. You know, I was still very fresh, like in the world or whatever. Which you know, some people is fine. Um, looking back at that experience, I probably you know wouldn't go immediately after, but you know, hindsight is 2020. But yeah, so for my undergrad experience, I'm, you know, originally from Rochester, New York, and I attended a small liberal arts college, you know, also in New York, you know, pretty close to home, you know, it was like a very, you know, safe environment. Like I had like an incredible undergrad experience. So that's where I'm coming from. And then for my graduate school, I went to, you know, a huge, huge state school, very different experience. I, you know moved 1200 miles away from you know my home where I grew up um you know I moved to a city in a state where I knew no one around me I knew no one in any of the states touching me like you know I was you know going out there kind of blind so like going into grad school like just of that experience was very kind of like you know overwhelming already you know it's scary I don't have any friends I don't know anyone like I'm really mm-hmm. you know moving into an apartment I've never seen you know living with a roommate I've never met before until I'm moving in. So that's kind of like my baseline. Um, And I definitely had, you know, some issues in (laughs) my graduate program. Um, Which, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't speak for all graduate programs. You know, I can't speak for all schools. Um, But I did find in my experience, um, so I had a TA, you know, TA ship, Um, that supported me going to grad school. So I had, you know, I worked 20 hours a week in the costume shop and I was supposed to be, you know, teaching undergrads how to sew, you know, overseeing costume projects, you know, all that jazz. So that was my job. And then because I did that, you know, I had all my tuition covered, which sounds great. Um, but I found that, you know, my, you know, supervisor in my job was also, my professor in my classes and, you know, my grad school advisor was also my professor, was also my mentor. Like there was a lot of, you know, crossover between, you know, I would say my professional, you know, TA work and then, you know, my graduate work as a student, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I think that if you don't have the strongest you know, or healthiest, you know, relationships with those people, you know, working above you, you know, that can really, you know, create a toxic environment.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And I think we had similar experiences, like, from where we came from, coming Mm -hmm. from small liberal arts undergrads, and then going to, like, really big institutions for our master's degrees. Yeah, absolutely. And we both went straight from undergrad to our master's. I'm a year older than you, but... Mm -hmm. I mean, we did the same thing, like, yeah. we took the same path in that regard. Um, so I can relate to a lot of that, and, you know, with a smaller program, you said your program was a little bit smaller, yeah? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone knows everyone, Oh and, yeah. and, like, yeah, there's a lot of crossover, and a lot of overlap, and yeah. so sometimes it's uncomfortable, like, if there's a professor that you have a problem with, and you want to, like... Tell someone about it. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, the word is going to spread really fast among everyone. And you, if you go directly to that person, like, or even if you go directly to that person, it's still going to, like, get around probably.
1: And, like, I think, and, like, yes, that's, you know, obviously can happen in schools. But I think that's also, like, a huge thing, you know, in any you know, the arts environment of everyone, you know, in theater knows each other, everyone in opera knows each other. Like the arts are such a small field. And like, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've learned that I've worked, you know, in a couple different states now and different parts of the country. And it's like, I'll meet someone, you know, in, you know, Minnesota, who knew someone I worked with in Michigan, who knew someone I worked with in New York, like it's such a widespread network that I think it is kind of hard to bring up you know, if you're having an issue with someone because you don't know that that's going to be private. You don't know that that's a private conversation because unfortunately people in our field talk to everyone. Like there Mm -hmm. isn't a whole lot of privacy. So I think it can be hard, you know, sometimes to bring up a problem and to feel comfortable and safe, you know, Mm -hmm. bring up that problem, you know, without that fear of, you know, whoever you're bringing up a problem about is going to come back and that's going to butt you in the butt or, right. you know, in a bridge. Right. Like. Yeah. That, that was a huge thing of, mm-hmm. you know, when I decided to leave my program, you know, it was really hard. It's like, okay, well, do I, you know, write like this huge long email of like, these are all my problems. This is all, you know, the things you need to fix with your, with your program or do I, you know, say nothing, like, be very polite and take a step back because I'm afraid, you know, well, if I have to work with these people again in the future, mm-hmm. like, will I not get a job? Right. Which I don't think you should feel that way. You know what I mean? No. You shouldn't feel intimidated into, you know, not being able to speak up, which I don't think anyone was doing on purpose, but I do think that That's is... it's the culture. Yeah, it is definitely the culture of the arts. Mm-hmm. What did
0: you end up doing?
1: So I ended up leaving on a good note because I had people tell me, like, it, like of, like, family members and, like, being, like, you know, like, what do you think I should do? And they said, you know, just don't say anything. Like, just, like, leave on a good let note and, you know, just let it be. And that's what I did because I think ultimately, you know, I do want to work with, you know, because some of the people in that program or that I did work with, I do you know want to work with again like if I ever go back to that city I was living in like yeah because I do think like you know people can label you as I think especially as a woman there's a lot of fear of being labeled as like over dramatic, or like you're making a really big deal out of this or you're being like too emotional mm-hmm. and You know, so I definitely had that fear of like, well, I don't want to be labeled as like a problem child or like, you know, like blacklisted of like, oh, you know, you don't want to work with Marissa because, you know, she's going to complain about all these things, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. And like, maybe if I could go back, I would have, you know, addressed more problems. But I did, you know, address problems throughout my year in grad school, like talking to different advisors and talking, you know, to my to some of my professors. Um, And that's where I think the problems came in was I was bringing in these issues and asking for help and Mm -hmm. then wasn't receiving it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was why I I couldn't stay in that environment because I was pointing out it was a toxic environment and I knew that it wasn't going to change. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, you can't control anyone else. You can't control, you know, necessarily your environment. The only thing you can control is yourself. So I felt like the only way that I could you know, feel safer, more comfortable was physically removing myself from that place. Mm-hmm. And I've ultimately felt like that was the only solution and it was the best solution in the end, you know?
0: Right. Right. And you ended up like, you know, in an okay spot now and before the virus, but... I mean, right. Like, <laughs> you know, you know but... work and everything, but obviously now mm-hmm. everyone's kind of in the same boat with that. Yeah. But no, I can, I can definitely relate at UMass. I had some issues and like had to bring them up to someone who was a little bit higher up mm-hmm. and ended up it ended up kind of like backfiring at me mm-hmm. and that was a whole like very toxic environment yeah. because i should have been free to bring up my my concerns and that person should have heard me out and and really tried to fix the problem mm-hmm. and come up with like a good solution but instead the solution that he came to without going in any detail yeah. ended up being really negative and made the situation worse yeah. and in the end By the second semester, things had actually gotten better, but it took way too long for a solution to happen, Mm -hmm. and by that point, I mean, I was, like, even more stressed out. I was very unhappy. I was questioning. I mean, this was, like, um, you know, I had a TA ship, and I was questioning, like, is it worth, you know, staying? But Mm -hmm. I knew that, for me personally, like, my teacher made up for it, like, Mm -hmm. a bunch of the other things like, my friends and my, like, the academics of it, Mm -hmm. everything, you know, else was pretty much okay. And I don't have a lot of complaints from that time. I was really, really lucky, and I was grateful that I had this TA ship. But, you know, situations do arise, and you get put in in positions. And even though Mm -hmm. I was, like, a graduate student, I felt like my voice wasn't really being heard, and, like, I didn't have any more say than, like, maybe an undergrad Mm -hmm. person. And I feel like as a grad student... I mean, you should, they should hear out the undergrads, too. They should hear anyone out. Like, they should take everyone's complaints into consideration. Sure. But especially as a grad student, I was like, I should, I should be definitely, like, my voice should be heard and taken into consideration because I'm even older and, like, I have a teaching assistantship. Yeah. Like, I'm in front of students. I'm giving lectures. I'm like... You know, this job is, like, affecting my students. Like right. Like, <laughs> how, how I am in my job affects the undergrads, and it's a trickle-down sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we need to fix this problem yeah. with me so mm-hmm. that it doesn't get any worse farther down right. the line.
1: Uh, yeah, and I think I have kind of a similar issue in that in... I was, you know, 22 when I started, I was the youngest person in my program, like most of the other people of my, you know, the other, you know, theater grad students were like in their 30s, you know, so they're more established, like they're kind of higher up, like, you know, like they have, you know, been working on their careers for like a decade or more at this point. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of like, okay, are people, you know, are my professors, like, not respecting me because I'm 22, because I'm younger? Like, but then when I would see that they would treat the other grad students who were, you know, in their 30s the same way they taught me, I was like, okay, well, no, it's not me. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know it was very frustrating for them because, like, you know, I I feel like when you're a grad student, like... Yes, your professors are your professors, but I feel like they're also your colleagues. Like, because when you're at that Mm -hmm. point, you are working as a professional. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, I was working as a TA, like, as my full-time job, but I was also, you know, doing freelance work in the city as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it's, you know, it's like, yes, like, I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not saying I'm on the same level as these, you know, professional professors who have been doing this for years and years and years, but at the same time, like, you know, I'm out there working too, and, like, I Mm -hmm. feel like you know we were talked down upon or weren't really listened to and like I don't know and it wasn't just me I think it was everyone Mm -hmm. and you know whenever there were 12 of us grad students um you know throughout the three years like it was a three-year program and there were only 12 of us so it's a small group Mm -hmm. you know in total um and like when we would all get together you know I would always laugh because we'd be like, oh, it's dangerous because we're going to start the revolution. Because we were all, like, on hat. Like, we would really hype each other up. And, like, I really encourage, like, if you're having problems in a work situation or in a school situation, like, or any situation, I mean, you should talk to other people. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when I first started having problems, I was like, oh, it's probably just me. I'm doing something wrong. Like, you know, I I don't have the right attitude. And then Mm -hmm. I started talking to the other people in the costume shop and saying things. And then I started talking to the, you know, other grad students in lighting and sound mm-hmm. and, you know, all these other departments. And then you kind of realize like, oh, you're having this problem too. You know, you realize that, you know, it's not an isolated scenario that's just affecting you. It's affecting everyone. Right. And you have more power if you all come together mm-hmm. and say, as a collective group, you know, these are the issues that you have with this, pro- with this program, mm-hmm. this job, whatever.
0: Right. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I had a similar thing in that, you know, the issue that I was having also was, you know, my colleagues were dealing with it as well. And, you know, that didn't even help, though, when we all came together. Like, I think it was good that we yeah. all came together, but it didn't, it didn't change uh, yeah, anything. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder, though, if it's because we were all women, like, coming together about this mm-hmm. problem, and, you know, we were talking to our our male person, Mm -hmm. like, the man who was in charge, Mm -hmm. and he was man, (laughs) and, you know, I'm not, like, sexist, and I don't think that, like, all men are terrible or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Like, I'm not saying that, but I will say, this is a kind of a bold statement here, but this is what I do on the podcast. I'm not afraid to say (laughs) bold statements, but, like, I've dealt, especially through grad school, I've dealt with a lot of guys who are in charge, men who are in positions of power, Mm -hmm. so whether that's, like, In an academic sense or in like administration or whatever it is, like male professors, male administrators, whatever, I have, I will say that like they are less competent typically than the women who are in charge that Mm -hmm. I know because like I have dealt with women in charge or women professors who are like on the ball, like we'll get Mm -hmm. it done and they have to be like women have to be so good to get where they're at. Like they have to absolutely be. They have to be better because it's so competitive out there yeah. for for these. Um, you know, especially in like teaching academia. I think it's mm-hmm. it's really difficult, and so women have to be like the bar is set really high. They have to be up yeah. there. And men, I don't think, have to get to that same level for some reason. Yeah, like. Ugh.
1: Yeah, like, something about like, if you think about, like, all the mediocre men who are working in the arts, like, and then think about how much better you are, like, also mm-hmm. that's a very general statement, but, like, as a woman, like, there it. is, you know, like, how many female conductors can you name? Like, right. y- You know what I mean? Right, and, and that's like, another,
0: that's a whole other topic, it's like, <laughs> it's like women in music, I mean, it's just so yeah. underrepresented, and, yeah. and that's a whole other, you know, thing that we could go on about, and I kind of want to do a podcast about, um, you know, the lack of representation in, like, um, Opera. Female composers and operas. And, like, <laughs> women do write operas and they are out there. It's just, like, they're not being performed. And I think now it's, like, it's starting to shift. Mm-hmm. And also in the pandemic, it's just not going to happen because nothing is being performed. Yeah. So, like, we're not really making progress, like, right now. But at the same time, like... I think it's possible in the future for that to change and for that to get better. But sure. I think it's, you know, with men in charge, if they're not willing to like see women as equals and work together with it, you know, it's not going to change. But yeah. that's a whole a whole other topic. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> we can go
1: on about that for hours. But <laughs> yeah, seriously.
0: But the just that like the whole point that yeah. I want to make, and it's again, it's like a broad statement. And it's just my personal experience, and other people may have the opposite experience. And I know some women in charge who have been awful. Like, Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that like, happens too. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, all men in charge are terrible. <laughs> but the ones that I have dealt with in particular, like, are not as competent as their women counterparts. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I could, I could give you, like, five different examples yeah. of people and what they've done. And, um, yeah, that's just my own experience.
1: Yeah. And I feel like just kind of going off a little bit, like when I have like you know a male boss versus a female boss or mentor or whatever you want to call it I feel like the relationship is very different for me Mm -hmm. like how I you know can react or act you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I feel like for me like working with like a female above me like it can be more comfortable kind of more open like I feel like I can be kind of more like you know Goofy, silly. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kind of joke around more. Where I feel like is if I have to ha- work under like a man, you know, I have to be like very like professional, serious woman, or else you know I won't be taken seriously. Yeah. Like I'm petite. I'm four foot eleven for context, and like I look young, so I think sometimes you know people talk down to me because of how I look or present myself. So I feel like you know if I'm walking into a room for full of men like. Uh, last summer when we worked on a show, you know, we had a cast of, like, 60 men, <laughs> which Bud. was crazy. Billy Budd. It was awesome. But, you know, I felt like I had to conduct myself in a, in a certain way of, like, you know, you need to sit in your chair and, you know, when I call you, you're in your chair so I can do your hair and makeup because, you know, I'm not here to mess around. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to be my very serious, like, put on my, you know, fancy blazer, mm-hmm. like, we're going to work. Whereas, yeah. like, with women, like, I feel like I can be a little more relaxed. Like, I feel like, but with men, like, you have to be stern. Like, you have to prove that you know what you're doing, which is... Right. And then know. sometimes you
0: can, like, relax into it once you've, like... Once you've, Asserted like, yourself. Right.
1: But it's, but like... it shouldn't,
0: it shouldn't like, have to be... Once you prove
1: that you know what you're doing Right, or...
0: right. It shouldn't have to be that way. No. And, like, last summer I had a lot of people that I reported to. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, some were female, some were mm. men, and it it just depended. And so when I... And I will say, I mean, I dealt with, like, a really, really strict uh, female boss. And and that was a little intimidating and a little new for me. Mm-hmm. That was something that I had not dealt with before. But the man that I reported to, one of the men, um, was, like, a really negative experience for me. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget that whole – the whole experience that I dealt with him because he did not take me seriously. Um, you know, I was doing some, like, bartending work for this company, and I, but I also was doing other, like, party planning things and, like, really, really difficult other work that was a lot more meaningful than just, like, bartending, but I was treated like I was just the bartender, and nothing more. Nothing more. And it's, like... You know, I was supposed to be mentored. I was supposed mm-hmm. to be like he was supposed to take me under his wing and yeah. show me what like the other <laughs> side of things. this was. And I don't mean like teach me how to make a certain drink, like but, no. Yeah. But I did learn how to make a gin and tonic and a whatever. <laughs> like I knew how to make all the drinks. Um, yeah. Not that it's difficult, but I did I did learn that. But like I don't mean that. I mean he should have mentored me on the side of the opera. Oh, I'm giving away what this is. But um, <laughs> you know he should have mentored me on things that he dealt with in the yeah. office and, yeah. and he just did not. Yeah, And so I wonder, like, if there was a... if it was a male intern mm-hmm. doing that job, would that have been any different? Right. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I think, you know, that sort of thing happens in school. It happens at work. It happens all the time. It happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, women not being taken seriously or like, dealing with male bosses who are not either not very nice or not as competent or whatever it might be like i mean i know you've dealt with it and i've dealt yeah. with it and i mean it's not something new for anyone so yeah that is um that's a big problem in the arts and i think mm-hmm. in any field yeah in any field across the board um but moving okay so i didn't even mean to get into a whole tangent about about men because i i'm not like anti men like i said So, I want to move on to a new topic, and this is um, one that I take very seriously, and I know Marissa does too, and that's um, how to maintain your mental health and not get overwhelmed when you have really unrealistic expectations, and I think this especially pertains to the arts, when you're expected to kind of give up and sacrifice your entire life when it comes to um, working on a show, in particular, and... You know, anything working in the arts, a lot of places expect you to kind of give up everything. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's important to separate your work and your personal life and, and to, like, find ways to have moments of sanity and, yeah. and not let it overwhelm you if you can. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this culture in the arts that's just really toxic, again, of, you know, this expectation that you just mm-hmm. give everything up. And I don't think yeah. that's, that's great, but I think... Um, we're trying to get a w- more and more away from that. Mm-hmm. Companies maybe are. Yeah. I
1: don't know. Trying to. Right. At least acknowledging it. Because I think... I, I mean, I always knew, like... I, I mean, I've been doing theater, loving theater, you know, doing, the arts have always basically been a part of my life, you know, even before like it was a career, like, you know, in middle school and like, you know, finding my way through whatever. And I kind of always knew like, oh yeah, like if you want to be an artist or if you want to be in theater, or if you want to make it, like you have to like devote your whole life to it. And like, I think when you grow up with that mindset, it's like, yeah, this is normal. This is normal. This is normal. And like, even in college, it was like, I mean, I was very intense. I, I mean, I'm still an intense person of like, You know, like, I would, you know, I miss parties and birthdays and holidays, you know, I would come back for spring break, you know, like, I would skip things so that I could be, you know, working in a costume shop. And, you know, that's the choice I made, and that's fine. But, like, because I had such this intense, like, attitude of being like, yes, this is what it's all about, it's about sacrificing. Like you're mm-hmm. supposed to sacrifice these things like for your art and you have to give, you know, your whole self. And then when you kind of step back and realize, which I mean, which I didn't really have this realization until I went to grad school and I had such a hard, hard experience that I realized like, you know, you shouldn't sacrifice your whole life. You shouldn't, you know, sacrifice your health or your sanity. And even like in this time of COVID, like, you know, i This is the longest I've gone without doing theater, like, in my life, like, since I started. And it's really given me a time to step back and be like, wait a second, like, maybe I shouldn't be trying to work 80 hours a week, like you know, like, maybe I shouldn't have, you know, missed these events, like, you know, I didn't get to go home for Christmas last year, and, you know, I missed my birthday, and, you know, I, you know, wasn't there for my sister's, like, engagement party, you you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I think having this time away from the art, and, you know, like, I love art, and I always want to be a part of my life, but at the same time, I don't want that to be the center of my universe, like, it's, for me, it's not worth giving up, you know, families or other relationships, and I think that, you know, it's important to recognize, like, the culture says this, but that doesn't mean that that's a good, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's right, like, it doesn't mean it's normal, like. Right,
0: right. Well, we were working six days a week mm -hmm. when we were working together last summer, and that was just, like. I mean, we knew what we were getting into, so Mm -hmm. we're not here to, like, complain that, oh, my God, we didn't know. Like, we knew. We knew it was going to be six days a week. Yeah. You're getting paid minimally. I mean, we were doing internships. Mm -hmm. Again, we knew what we were getting into. We're not here to, like, complain about that, but the culture itself is what we have a problem with, and, like... I don't know. I mean, there's something about, I mean, they say, oh, we have to do six days a week, like to make Mm -hmm. a profit or whatever. And it's all about the money and it's not about people's well-being. It's not about their mental health or their physical health or anything. It's not about the people. It's about the money. And I get it. I mean, that's a tough spot to be in. But now I'm curious. I would love to speak to these people. (laughs) Say, hey, with COVID, like you're not even able to do anything whatsoever. Do you think it was worth doing Like, do you think maybe now we can, like, reformat something? So maybe there's only five days a week that people have to work. Like, a normal work week.
1: Right. And, like, I think, you know, if people only take away one thing, I think it should be that, like, sick days are real. You know what I mean? Like, in in theater and in performances, there's really this thing of, like, like, oh, you know, if you're sick, just walk it off. Like, Mm -hmm. come in anyway. Like, you can rest after the show. Like, Mm -hmm. you don't really get, you know, paid sick time you know and like you don't always have you know a swing you know I mean I work backstage and it's like if you aren't there and there's not someone to cover you that's obviously a lot of pressure like you don't want to mess up the show like I think and at the same time that's not your responsibility like I think one of the craziest things that happened to me in grad school and like this is towards my breaking point of like you know I was having like a decline in my mental health and everything And I finally realized that and was like, okay, I need to take, you know, a step back, like, for my well-being. And, like, you know, I talked to, like, my, you know, someone at the university and I was like, you know, I think I need to take a couple days off. I don't think I can be here. Like, I just think I need to do this. And it was maybe, like, a week or two before we were opening the show I was working on. And he was like, okay, well you know, we do have to open this show, and, like, my jaw just dropped, like, I just had no words, because I'm, like, I'm sitting in front of someone telling them I'm not okay, and they're saying, well, but we have to open this show, and, like, but at the same time, that is the culture, and, like, that's the culture we've created, that's the culture, you know, we let exist, and, like, we need to acknowledge that that's not okay, and, you know, I said, I mean, I walked out at that point, and I... You know took a week and a half off because like you know i you know the the show like the show must go on and the show will go on like you know but no person should feel like the entire weight of a production or a company you know on their shoulders and i feel like a, a lot of places do that of like oh well we need you you know you have to answer this email you know at midnight because we need you to do it and like mm-hmm. do you really though like i think there's so much pressure you know on the performers on the tech staff you know on the people in marketing and you know all of that of like oh my gosh you have to do this right now and if you don't everything is ruined mm-hmm. and if your company can really be ruined by one person not being there that is <laughs> that's something a right with it, that's so. something you have to fix in your company like it should you know not be that way and we need to assess Mm -hmm. that
0: (laughs) yeah i think places need to take people's mental and physical health into account a little bit more like just their overall well-being and making sure that people are happy working for their company i mean when you work six days a week you get burnt out easily Mm -hmm. and i know like personally i got really sick on the mountain last summer Mm -hmm. and i think that it was because i was overworked Mm -hmm. i was asked to do some like unexpected things, it stressed me out, it was, you know, I got sick kind of towards the end of the summer ish, mm. it was like maybe there were like four big parties that I planned, well it was like five, but I had finished four of them at this point, and then it hit me and I got strep, I don't know where I got strep from, but I got sick really bad, mm. and like I think that it was from being overworked and being stressed Mm -hmm. and I mean a lot of people got sick and and that sort of thing happens like it could have been from from whatever I could have caught it from someone but at the same time I just think like at that point in time I was really really stressed out and I was not feeling great because I was running around doing all these like additional things that I wasn't like supposed to have to be you know doing and and here I am doing all these extra things Mm -hmm. and it it was stressful. It was like, you know, when can you come back? When can you come back? Like,
1: right. when are you feeling Yes. Back? When – that is also something I got, you know, I would get emails or texts or, okay, are you okay? When are you going back? You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Like, And which, it's not
0: like, how are you doing?
1: No. It's just – I mean, and, and
0: this is generalization because when I was, you know, really sick last summer, people did check up on me, and I was really grateful for that. And, like, I had to be taken to urgent care, and I had to – you know, make sure that I didn't have mono or strep or whatever. And I did have strep. But I think until that strep test came back positive, to be honest, it was not taken seriously that Mm -hmm. I was as sick as I was. Right. I mean, I had – I'm pretty sure I had, like, a fever. I had chills. I was – you know, everything hurt. It kind of felt like a mini flu. It was not Mm -hmm. fun. I mean, I was laid up in bed for days. (laughs) And you have to prioritize yourself. Like, that is – That is the most important thing is like prioritizing your health and well-being. But that's not always what the companies are doing, obviously.
1: Yeah. In my undergrad, we had four rules in our performing arts center. The number one rule was take care of yourself. Really? (laughs) Number two is take care of each other. Number three is take care of your space. And number four is take care of your show. And like, you know, Mm. I went through four years of undergrad hearing these rules and like, yeah, these are the four rules. Yeah, 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 whatever. But I feel like I didn't really take them to heart until I went to grad school Mm. and like really realized like, you know, I'm not taking care of myself. Like, you know, my mental health like problems like became physical problems. And I feel like that's like was kind of the wake-up call for me because, you know, I feel like an undergrad, like, I could get by, you know, take a swig of vodka, eat a bag of Doritos, run to class, you know, work in a costume shop till two in the morning, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, like, yes, you can do that for a little bit, like, maybe you can do that a lot longer than I can, but, you know, even by the time I went to grad school which was a couple months later I was like oh my gosh I can't do this like Mm -hmm. so many times and I know I'm you know not the only person who does that I would skip meals like oh I don't have time to eat I have to get this done you know skipping Mm -hmm. meals like staying up and working really late like working past midnight like I really had to like and it it just wasn't sustainable like you know my mental health was, was declining and you know I lost like 20 pounds in my first semester of grad school which is horrible like that should have been a wake-up call like you know my hair starts falling out when i'm stressed like and i started getting sick like Mm -hmm. i was sick more times last year than i ever have been like in my entire life and it's Mm -hmm. just because i was so stressed like all of the time and i think it kind of you know took like my entire body breaking down to be like hey you can't keep going on like this, but it's, like, you shouldn't have to have a full mental and physical breakdown in order to realize you're not in a good environment, and, like, so now, like, stepping away from that, I'm trying to have, like, a bigger, clearer picture of, like, okay, what is appropriate for someone to ask of you of work? Mm -hmm. What is inappropriate? Like, you know, what are my boundaries? Like, Mm -hmm. how can I create boundaries in a work environment? And, like, I feel like I'm just a lot more, like, aware and cautious because, you know, I feel like going into the this industry, I was kind of, like, naive or, like, you know, had certain thoughts of, like, you know, like, just, like, do it, keep your head down, like, mm-hmm. you know, just get it through, like, I have to prove that I'm the best, you know, whatever, you know, or else I'm never gonna make it, like, you know, like, don't cause trouble, like, don't bring up anything, and now I've kind of learned that I'm like, if you don't stand up for yourself, like, no one else will, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, especially if your company or your professors or whoever is not looking out for you, like, you know, they're not gonna help you out, like, no one's gonna come out, offer you a hand, like, you know, like, if you need help, you have to tell someone, and if you're not getting that help, then you need to go, mm-hmm. because, like, you know. It's not worth it. It's no. Really not.
0: And I think a lot of people put up with way too much. Mm-hmm. They put up with it for too long, mm-hmm. and, you yeah. know, what is it going to take? Like, what's the breaking point? And for me, like, I've come to realize, like, my happiness and my well-being is most important, and, like, mm-hmm. sure, that, I guess, could be taken as selfish, but I really don't think so, because, like, if I'm not happy, then I'm not going to be doing a good job in my job. Right, exactly. I'm not going to be as successful as I could be. All right, yeah. and, um And no one else is going to is going to enjoy me being there if I yes. don't like being there and I'm not happy. So I think in that sense, it's not selfish. It's actually, like, the opposite of that. And mm-hmm. I think that if you finally are fed up enough with a job, I mean, just, like, just leave. You will always find right. something better. You will always find something that's more suited to you you should not I mean sure there are like some jobs that are stressful and then like it comes in waves so like you might be stressed for time and and there may be jobs that you like just can't leave at the time because you are relying on that money and like I'm I'm with you there if that's where you're at because I'm there too yeah
1: and like it's like I know for I finished my first year of grad school like one because I wanted to but also because that's how I was getting health insurance which sounds bad, but it's, like, I'm, like, I can't drop out of school because I need health insurance because I need to go to a therapist because of how stressful grad school is, mm-hmm. which is, like, a horrible cycle. Like, this that's is, like, I mean, there's more issues involved in that. Yeah. But. That's messed up. Though. And, like, no, it was crazy. Um, But also, like, I know that I have, I'm very stressed about going back to work after COVID because, for me, it's, like, okay, like you know, things I want in a company, you know, I want a company that takes people being sick seriously. Like there shouldn't have to be a pandemic for people to realize like you shouldn't be going to work if you're sick. And it's like, I have had a lot of jobs I've been underpaid and I don't really want to do that anymore, Mm -hmm. but it's like going back, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, A lot of companies are going to close down, like everyone's going to be looking for jobs. It's going to be so competitive that I'm very worried that there are going to be a lot of low paying jobs because, Mm -hmm. you know, people are going to just try to take anything. And I'm afraid that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to work for, you know, I have a four year degree and a third of a master's degree. Like, I don't want to work for minimum wage Mm -hmm. anymore like in my field I don't think that is appropriate or right but I'm going to but I'm you know very nervous you know it's like well if I don't take that job someone else will mm-hmm. and like you know I don't know I'm just afraid that like it might be even worse of like you know like unpaid internships <laughs> like well you know you just want to be back in the field so bad that like you'll take take anything, take anything and that's terrible like mm-hmm. that's not how it should be like you know, we as artists need to be communicating with each other about, like, what are your working conditions? Mm-hmm. What are yours? What are you getting paid? Which is, I always ask everyone I work with, what are you getting paid? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whether they're on the same level as me, or a different level, or above me, or a man, like, or what their degree is, like, mm-hmm. I want to know. It needs to be
0: equal. You know,
1: you need to, like, talk to your co-workers about all of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's very important to have those open conversations, especially, like, I'm not in a union, so I don't have any protections, you mm-hmm. know? I don't have any group of people looking out, so if you are, are not a union worker, like, you need to talk with other people who aren't union workers to make sure that, like, you're all being treated, you know, somewhat fairly, or, like, okay, well, this person got a raise, but why didn't I get a raise, mm-hmm. like? Right, right. Yeah. You need to,
0: like, stand up for yourself. That's a huge thing, and I think, being in our 20s, like, that's a hard lesson to learn because I think, like, we think, oh, we're young and we're, like, people see us as, like, inexperienced. And that is true. Like, when you're first out of college, you are inexperienced. And, like, you have to, you know, there is a sense of, like, working your way up. And, like, you're not going to, like, just, like, start out at the top. And we're not, like, entitled people saying, like, oh, Mm -hmm. we're demanding this, this, and this. Like, no. no. You do have to work your way up. But I think, you know, people in their 20s, like you need to give us more credit like older people need to give us more credit and like we are we need to also stand up for ourselves more as like people in our 20s and not let things slide and Mm -hmm. not just say oh like an unpaid internship is okay because I'm Mm -hmm. getting the experience it's like no actually unpaid internships are very unfair because only people with money can really afford to do that and that's perpetuating a whole other set of issues here but um yeah but even low-paying internships, again, not gra- like it's not great. Like, but how do we fight the system? I right. mean, we do need experience. And oh, then, right, that's the problem. And it, in the and... arts, you you have to like. There's a set of of things that you do. It's like, okay, you do mm. the unpaid internship or you do mm-hmm. the low-paying internship and then you get a minimum wage job. Or and then you you're your an right apprentice. Up, right, right and you're a re- or you're
1: an artist in resident mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Young artist. You get I mean, a fancier title, but mm-hmm. not necessarily, you know, and a yeah. little bit more money maybe, but... Right,
0: and the same thing goes for singers. And if anyone's wondering why I'm not <laughs> I'm trying to sing in opera companies with my yeah. master's degree in vocal performance, it's because I don't, have the money or the time or the patience or the drive to go through the process of starting out with it's literally you have to pay to sing at programs yeah then if you're lucky after years of auditioning potentially you might get a like studio artist or young artist position at a a small opera company and then if you're lucky you work your way up from there yeah but like how many of those people actually make it to the Met yeah. or to wherever they're going to be. And so that's why I'm not looking to do that. And I know a lot of people um, are also in that boat and they, that's why we choose other avenues. And also because I do love arts administration and in another episode I'm going to go into that and talk about my path a little bit because I know I mentioned, you know, where where I'm at and how I've gotten here a little bit, but I want to kind of go into that in more depth. But yeah, I think that this is a it's a bigger conversation. Yeah. But um this is the the plight of artists <laughs> and it's yeah. um, it's not easy and being in our 20s trying to navigate it honestly is is really difficult because
1: it's hard to stand up for yourself. It really is. Yeah. I think kind of piggybacking off of that another point I want to make is I feel like there's a big sense of, like, if you get, like, uh, you know, an internship, even if it's unpaid, it's, like, you should be really grateful to be here. And I had that so much in grad school of, like, you should be grateful for this opportunity and you're lucky to be here. Which, yes, I was, you know, I'm very thankful that I had that opportunity and, like, but I earned that opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I... Yes, I got into that program, but I got there because I deserve to get into that program. right. right. And, like, I think that, you know, it's, like, a hard thing because it's, like, I don't want to be, like, they were lucky to have me, but at the same time, like, I think that, like, you know, I should be valued you know, as a student or as a TA or, you know, as a working professional, like, and I think it's hard because, you know, when I was like younger in college, you know, doing like cheap work, like outside of school or whatever, or, you know, low paid internships, you know, at first it was just like, I'm so fresh and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so lucky to be here. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm here. But then once, you know, you have a degree, it's like, okay, I can believe I'm here. It's like, yes, I should be here. I should be getting paid. Mm -hmm. Like I should be treated with respect like it's kind of this thing mm-hmm. of like oh my gosh like i you know i need to recognize my own worth yes <laughs> you know and be like okay like i do deserve to get paid more than minimum wage mm-hmm. to build wigs like that is a hard thing to do yeah and, right, and you, y- build you know your skill like set to get to that point yeah and... and it's so hard because it's like oh well you know like you know you'll have this job for now to get you to a better job mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard like when you're just working like horizontally You know, just because a company name sounds good, it's like, oh, well, this is a really great company. It'll get you somewhere better to all these other places. But it's like, okay, you're a really great company, but you're paying me minimum wage. Or, like, you're paying me below minimum wage. Or you're paying Mm -hmm. me something that I don't think reflects my value. Which is is hard, because it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I have a lot to learn, but I do have skills. And I think, you know, they deserve you know, to be paid for. You know, it's funny. It's not really funny, but so I lost, I mean, as everyone, you know, I lost my um, full-time theater job um, once the pandemic hit and all that stuff. And so for a while I got, you know, a job at a grocery store because that's one of the only things that you can do. And I was making more at the grocery store than I was in my professional theater job, which is very... Depra- I mean, that makes me sad. Like, not mm. to say that, like, which I mean, I'm not saying grocery store workers should make less. They should make more. Yeah, yeah. But also, theater artists need to make more. Like, if mm. I literally have a degree in this, like, why? And, you know, college is not inexpensive. Like, it's, it's a very hard blow to be like, you know, I've saved and I've worked, you know, to get this degree and I took out all these loans. And now I'm making minimum wage. How am I ever going to pay these back and have Mm -hmm. an apartment and have food? Like, it's a lot to navigate. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes, you know, you can feel like you're making a mistake or doing something wrong. Like I know for me, like when I first got laid off or when the pandemic hit, it was like, oh my gosh, like, if only I tried harder You know, or was better at something. And this was literally everyone in the U.S. Mm -hmm. had to stop working. But I still felt like I'm like, oh my gosh, this is all my fault. You know, I felt like I was a failure as an artist, which sounds crazy. But I think I'm probably not the only person who felt that way during this time. Mm -hmm. Or like, I should have saved up more money. Or like, I should have planned for a pandemic. Which obviously there's no way to do that, but... It's like, man, I, you know, I can't believe I felt comfortable in my job or whatever. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, that's not the way that you should have felt, obviously. (laughs) Obviously, obviously, but that, you just bring up a lot of good points there, and, yeah, I agree. I agree with all of that, and, um, I think expecting the, the bare minimum, like, expecting more than minimum wage is, like, is, um... Hard. (laughs) No, but it should just be the, the the standard. standard, It's hard because it's, it's like,
1: I think going into the arts you never expect to be rich you know what i mean like like going in, <laughs> and i'm like you know i'm never going to be rich i'm never going to have a lot of money like even if like i become like a broadway costume designer that does not mean i'll be rich you know what i mean like so like, I'm not, I'm I'm not in it for the money, but mm-hmm. I think because you kind of hype yourself up of like, okay, you know, the, the idea of like the starving artist, mm-hmm. like it's almost like very romanticized of like, oh, yeah. I am poor, but I'm an artist mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to be tortured and sad and depressed. And I yeah. can't eat. And like, I think sometimes there's this weird, like competition, you know, I experienced this a lot in school of like, oh, like I haven't, you know slept in 24 hours like i haven't slept in 36 hours and i haven't eaten in five days yeah. and it's like this isn't a competition oh like i'm like oh guys God. you're not one-upping each other but there is that right. weird culture mm-hmm. this weird like torture culture of like well you know i've been des- programming lights for the past 17 hours and i haven't eaten mm-hmm. in 43 like it like we yeah. like people like we hype each other up yeah. like i've had those conversations oh yeah yeah Oh yeah, people
0: would always would always say that in college too, in my undergrad more so than my grad, grad program. But yeah, that's not healthy at all. I mean, this is, this has been a really interesting conversation. <laughs> I think the overall takeaway is like, don't settle for something in the arts because you're told that like it's okay to have an unpaid internship or a you know really low paying job. Like if if that's the only option and you really have to like you know go for it, but but see it as a stepping stone and don't see it as like an acceptable way to live your life. Mm -hmm. And that it's something that you have to do. Um, You know, I've been there and, but I've also come a long way where it's like, I am working multiple jobs because I want to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And, and also like with the pandemic things have obviously changed Mm -hmm. and and it's not the way that it was going to be, but I was about to start a Mm full-time salary job in the arts and I am, you know, 24 years old So don't think that just because you're in your 20s, like, you can't work your way up or, Mm -hmm. like, be doing more than, like, an unpaid or Mm low-paying internship when you're in your 20s because you should, you should be doing, you should expect more. Um, Yeah. So I think we need to change those expectations, but... Thank you so much, Marissa, for being such a wonderful guest. Yeah, this was great. Great I know. (laughs) Tune in next week for the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. (laughs)